WFIU, Bloomington, Indiana, where you don't need to be an expert if you learn something new every day. Jerry had begun to fall back into herself. Something was lurking that wanted out. And like how the horses can sense a coming storm, Ernie knew it was lining up on the horizon. But that didn't mean he knew what to do. Besides, maybe, maybe it couldn't be helped. Maybe what this coming storm required Ernie to do was hunker in place, wait it out. In any case, it wasn't quite here yet. Why bring it up when the sun is still out? This is Ernie Pyle, the Hoosier Vagabond, and this is that girl who rides with me. Not lately. When are we getting the heck out of here? Welcome to the Ernie Pyle Experiment, Episode 6. 30 years too soon. much to pack, just a couple of bottles of what now, and don't you know? And if you don't know, I won't tell you. And this tin cup, hard to find sometimes because it rolls under the seat. Meh. What do you judge? Everybody has an opinion, Jimmy boy. I don't care who knows. I like to drink. I like to drink. Ooh, it's Mary. I think she heard me. <laughs> cat's on the back. Oh, that cat's not been in the back ever. Oh, here's to you, Aunt Mary. Cheers! She's a lone wolf, Jim. I like her. She takes no guff. That's why we get along. Hey! <gasps> oh. Well, don't put that away. You can't sneak up on a well, like I wasn't. If your ears weren't ringing, you'd have heard me. Careful. Keep it down. Aunt Mary's on the porch. Don't wave at her. Why not? Try acting normal. I do it all the time. Oh, she'll think I'm up to something. Well, aren't you? When do you want to get out of here? Well, soon. I'm ready. I know you are. I saw you packing. Really, Ernie? Can, can you set a time? No. Would you like to get to Yellow Springs by sundown? Oh, Yellow Springs is it, huh? You old trail tavern? Well, why not? A drink and a room. It'll be there tomorrow. Oh, you finish your last column. Well, I'm working on it. It's on Aunt Mary. You aren't even done yet, Ernie. Please. How far along? I just want to get out of here. I'm going to get out. I am so tired. I'm too tired all the time. And I... I want to open one of these inhalers, but I don't no. want to do it here. No, Benzedrine, you better not. Oh, you can I wait. Will. I'm going to open four or five of them at no. once if you don't hurry. Nobody wants to see you hopped up on Benzedrine, oh, Jerry. Put them away. I'm so damn tired. I don't uh, How far along are you in the story? Far. I'm too near to be far. The page is blank. Oh. Uh, look, look. I got an idea. Why don't you take this machine up to the porch, do a little reconnoiter? What? You set it, set it on the ground. 
Put a quilt over top of it, hide the microphone, get Aunt Mary to come sit out. See? <sighs> try it, try it. See if you can get me something I couldn't get for myself. Oh, yeah, like the sense to know when we should leave. If you can get me enough to write about, I will get you to Yellow Springs by sundown. How's that sound? <laughs> uh-huh. Join me in, on the porch. Mary, how old were you when George died? Well, it's been ten years. Sixty. How long were you married? Twenty years. Is it enough? I suppose not. Was he good to you? Say, what is this? Why are your eyes darting back and forth? What? <sighs> no, they're not. I'm, t I'm just curious, is all. Are you sure? What's this inquisition about? You all right? Yes. Let me look at you. Hmm. Maybe you should sit down. You really want to know about George? I really do. Well, okay. Nothing much to the story, anyway. Kind of like George. Are you sure you're feeling all right? Yes. Hmm. All right. Well, if I had it to do all over... I'd still wait till I was 40 to get married, because first I'd go to college, and then run for Senate. <laughs> I'd bring the voice of reason to Washington, raise heck a few years, then I'd be ready for George Bales. I made him see reason more than once, I tell you. Well, I'd vote for you. Instead, I took on George Bales on the reform ticket, when I should have been taking on Roosevelt, the first one. George had come calling with a broken-down mare front and a racing sulky and expect me to like it. He thought that was special. Just like a man to think stability is approached in half measures. George would stop on the road and yell for me to come out. He hadn't the sense to get off and come escort me down. Someone had to help the poor sap with things such as manners and sense. <laughs> I felt sorry for him, so I married him. But you liked him? Well, sure. We made it an awful long time without marrying. There weren't any others? Any other what? Any other boys. Why do I feel like I'm on trial here? What do you they mean? Came calling before George. Well, sure. What were they like? One was a giant. He was twice as tall as me and ate like an elephant. He was a nice boy, but the thought of cooking for him? Oh, all that food? I'd never have the time for anything else. He was so big. He didn't move much. So, is that practical decision. It was a tactical decision. A daily routine can't be a source of suffering. Sure, sure. Ernie doesn't eat much. I'm glad he doesn't care much for my cooking. Hmm. Well, maybe the two are related. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm just teasing. Well, I hope so. I get the feeling everybody thinks I don't do anything. Well... You aren't a conventional type of woman, are you? Hope not. Does Ernie think you don't do anything? No. It's the only man never went out of his way to talk down to me. I mean, 
does, but so do I about him, but not in a, not in a general sense. I'm just stupid. Nobody around here thinks that. All we see is how much that boy loves you and needs you. Mm. It's okay, I guess. Still, I feel like a half human sometimes. Maybe we should do this another time, dear. You seem a bit tired at the moment. You sure you don't just want to take a nap? Mm, no. I think you need to drink some milk, dear. He talks to himself when composing. What? What are you talking about now, dear? Mm-hmm. He just moves his lips. No sound comes out anywhere in the car or the corner. Just bob his head, a gesture with his hands like talking to a ghost or something. <laughs> Where are you right now, young lady? <laughs> yeah. Last week, we were in a nice hotel, and it was typing, and I went out to get something. Maria, will you bring Geraldine a glass of milk, please? Door, door was wide open. For some reason, I heard him talking to somebody. I walk in, and he's just shaving, just talking to himself in the mirror, saying... Same sentence over and over and over. I just, I just stood in the doorway listening. I, I knew exactly what would make that sentence perfect. Just a simple change in verb tense. Mm. And I was about to speak, and he caught me off the corner of his eye, and it startled him, and he just nicked his upper lip. Oh, oh. oh he just laughed. He just laughed and laughed. He thought it was. The funniest thing ever, ever happened. He is a good man. Mm-hmm. I'll keep him. Well, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> what is it now, dear? What do you want to do? I want to get rid of this feeling. What feeling? What are you talking about? That I'm worthless. I can't even look at myself in the mirror. I feel like that. I sure do. All the time, you just got to stay busy. He just pulls off the shelf that's there when he needs me. I don't have even one thing for myself. Well, most folks these days don't. Sometimes the world turns sideways and it's all you can do to keep from selling apples on a street corner. You have them beat by a words, mile, dear. Words, words, Oh, sure, you can say that. At this point, I usually pack up my stuff and throw it in the car and we go. Leave this feeling on the side of the road. Or kick it down the road. Ah. <sighs> Am I getting you down? Oh, it's okay, young lady. Here you go. Thank you, Maria. Is she feeling all right? Well, that depends. I don't know what she's gotten into. Well, see if you can get her to fall asleep. I'm trying. 
Jerry, sit up. Drink this. There. Let's just sit here. Be calm a few moments. Maybe that's a trick. Maybe settle down a bit. There we go. How long have you been at this driving around now? Two years? Mm, not quite, no. All that driving. You like it? Mm, well, well, I love it. You wouldn't rather... No. Well, now there has to be something about it that you don't like. Sometimes I don't get a vote in things. That's something, like after we decide to go someplace and I fall asleep and we end up in another, that kind of thing. If you drove, you could have him fall asleep and then you can be the one to end up someplace else. Well, that would be good. I, I drive every now and then. I'm just used to not. I like being able to just look at the horizon without worrying. That's my favorite thing, just find something far away. Just watch it. I like the forests and mountains, but the plains. I just need a vantage point on the plain and I can see something like a farmhouse and a barn and I just watch it. And I think who lives there? Do they like their life? Do they do things? Are they happy? Do they have kids? Do they Look, see me looking at them at the same time. <sighs> but then I think about all the chores I have to do. I don't have to do those chores and I feel good. I feel real good. Oh, you. Last week, I stared for 20 minutes, 20 full minutes at least. These little tornadoes that just swirl and swirl and swirl and they never touched down. And we went the whole way on the ribbon of the road. I never, ever lost sight of those tornadoes. It was, ah, uh, I can't think of anything. It was, it was just, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Ah. No, there's not a, there's not a word for what I was doing. What were you doing? Nothing. Just looking. Like when I was little. I, uh, I used to run around the, the Annika State Asylum in Minnesota. My dad was superintendent there, and I made friends with all the crazy people. There was all the rage back then and I would just sit with this one lady Martha she was so nice to me and we never even talked we'd just sit in this large window and just look out at the river I felt so 
home. Funny thinking about that right now. I, I think it's as plain as the nose on your face. What? There's a story in there somewhere. If you can conjure up moments like that and explain it like that, honey, why aren't you writing yourself? I might stop being useful to oh. Ernie. Oh, he'll get on just fine. We all do. Now look at me. I did just fine after George died. Would you miss him? Well, sure. Every day. But I got my own way to make now, you know. Why didn't you ever have kids? Why haven't you? <sighs> Geraldine? Jerry? Are you awake? Oh. I don't know when you'll hear this, Ernest. I'm sure I won't have time to tell you face to face. I'm sure you'll be hightailing it from Dana now as soon as you can, so nobody has time to ask direct questions. So let me say this here then. Your lives need to change. I see nothing but grave circumstances ahead if you don't. Now, I got to tell you we love her. We do because you brought her here to us to love. So we do. But you were never like this. You weren't brought up like this. Oh, if she does herself in and you didn't do all you could to help her, you know you will never forgive yourself. That's the earnest I know. Forever wrecked with guilt, self-doubt. Oh, I can't imagine what that'd do to you. So I don't know when I'll see you next. But when that time comes, don't let her do this here again. So Ernie listened to that last stretch of wire and got to work. For that storm was on their heels now and wouldn't be long. Listen to this. Go ahead. My Aunt Mary was born 30 years too soon. If she was 40 instead of 70, I'm sure she would be in Congress now. She always did want to be in politics and national affairs, and she does plenty of first-rate original thinking, too. Yet she never went beyond the eighth grade in high school. Aunt Mary was past 40 when she married. Uncle George lived on a farm. But he wasn't a farmer. He was a dreamer. He would fuss all day around his garden and his flowers and play his beautiful big black square piano and order three carloads of lime and fertilizer he couldn't pay for and talk by the hour about his prized sweet corn and spend whole half days studying the flower and seed catalogs he had sent away for. My Uncle George was a great man and he worked like a Trojan. But he never got anything done, and Aunt Mary had to make the living. She did a nice job of it, too. She raised hundreds of chickens, and she raised her own hogs and cows. And through 20 years, she kept the treasury from going flat. She worked from 4 in the morning till 9 at night, found time to go to a couple of weekly clubs and run the country church besides. She even bought an automobile as early as 1915 and learned to drive it, and drive it well, too, when she was 50 years old. 
Uncle George never would drive the damn thing, so she had to haul him around too. Then Uncle George died. Aunt Mary was 60 years old. She had been born on a farm, raised on a farm, had never been off the farm. But she was alert, and she had more energy than a buzzsaw. And she was tall and straight despite a lifetime of killing work. And she was generous and kind. So, at 60, she went to Indianapolis all alone to make her way in the world. And she did make it. She worked at all kinds of jobs. She worked as a supervisor in a girls' reform school. She worked in a restaurant. She took care of a sick woman. She worked as a housekeeper. And today at 70, she is still working. Not only making her own way, as we say a boy is just out of college, but helping keep a lot of other people just as she always has. In the city, Aunt Mary has time an opportunity to keep up with what is going on in the world even better than she did before. She knows all about the New Deal and is in favor of it. Most farm people and churchmen are fundamentalists, but my Aunt Mary would have to take only a couple of jumps to be a full-fledged socialist. She has pretty advanced social ideas. If she was 40 instead of 70, I'll bet she'd make the capitalist holler. She still has all her old energy. When she writes letters, her mind runs so far ahead of her pen that she leaves out half the words. But her main interests still lay in the little community where she lived for 60 years. Every letter to her has to tell how Minnie's chickens are doing, who wasn't at church last Sunday, and when Edith is going to have her baby, and what Grace's new dress looks like. She gets back often enough, and people say to her what a shame she has to go back so soon, and she says philosophically, but spirited-like, Yes, I'd sure love to stay, but I've got my own way to make, you know. And there she is, at 70. Still hammering away at life and getting the best of it. She makes a lot of us younger ones look cheap. That's a good one. You ready? Car's packed. I'm packed. Still early enough to make Yellow Springs. Maybe. Let's go say goodbye to everybody. Better hurry. I just swallowed a Benny. Goodbye, everybody! Next time on the Ernie Pyle Experiment. It is a matter of vexation to me that I must spend my life reading stories, and yet I can never find a word in the papers about the feats performed in that noblest of all card games, Solitaire. It is not a fair hand of Solitaire you're dealing me, Walter. I play bridge. Oh, I hate that game. I have never played a game of bridge in my life and never intend to. Why do you hate bridge? Colbertson and Lenz, why are there two bridge experts giving out strategy in every paper? It doesn't make sense to me. If you play bridge, you have to play with somebody. Well, that cancels it for me. Bridge Smart. players are among the smartest folks I know. It doesn't make any sense. I gut Colbertson and Lenz and sell more advertising. Give me a space. I'll write something. Back next time with more adventures from the Ernie Pyle experiment. And verily... I say unto you, until the cows come home, the good road will never end, if you can only stay on it. The Ernie Pyle Experiment was created by Michael Brainerd with a little help from the great Ernie Pyle. Episode 6, 30 Years Too Soon. Jerry Pyle was played by Greta Lind. Ernie Pyle, Michael Brainerd. Aunt Mary, Jan Lucas. Maria Mom Pyle, Kate Braun. 
Dan V. Prescott, Tim Grimm. Carry on and on, Peter Spellos. Executive producer at WFIU, John Bailey. Sound director, script editor, and co-executive producer, Russell McGee. Writer, director, and co-executive producer, Michael Brainerd. Sound design, Jesse Brewer. Composer, Ryan Chase. Music assistant, Francis Crishone. Foley artists, Brian Barnes and Nicholas Crone. Production assistants, Brian Barnes, Chancellor Edmiston, Jason Fruits, and Nicholas Crone. A very special thanks to the Ernie Pyle Legacy Foundation, promoting the life and work of the great Ernie Pyle. Another special thank you to the Media School at Indiana University. The Ernie Pyle Experiment was produced at WFIU on the campus of Indiana University. Find past episodes wherever you access your media at WFIU.org. WFIU, Bloomington, Indiana, where apparently we've devolved into an entire population of beleaguering, self-styled humorists. You know who I am by now. I'm comfortable with my name. I know who I am. I'm Carrie O'Nanon. I've been in public radio since I got into this business. Well, my name itself is a, is, is a variable institution, a boilerplate that soothes and a tradition of the vocal form to all who can hear it. Let's put a stop to these childish antics, Bloomington. My name is Carrie O'Nanon. You know it, I know it, and your mom knows it. And for my sake, it's getting to where I can't go anywhere anymore. I have to drive straight from the studio to home. My wife, who oh, is not happy. I've just been told that someone has hijacked my stool at Nick's English Hut. 